The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. It was about 120 episodes ago when we had a chance to talk with Jeff Labelt and his trek across Canada and why he was doing it for diabetes. Holly, it's amazing how we have so many Canadians doing amazing things. It's so true. I feel like we have a nation of people with the biggest hearts and they are doing all kinds of things to support uh, other causes that are near and dear to their hearts. It fits that we talk with a man this week who has had an incredible journey himself. And Mike Shorman, my friend, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? We are doing good. Living and breathing, as they say. (laughs) (laughs) We like to ask this guilt testing question because we never know where it's going to go. And that is, who are you and where did you come from? Um, My name is Mike Shorman. I'm just a regular, normal guy who just does regular, normal guy things and um, and wants to live in a world that's a little bit better and um, and leave it a little bit better than than it was when I came into it. Uh, that's who I am. I guess I come from, you know, humble, modest, you know, beginnings. I was born and raised in Toronto and I lived there most of my, most of my life. And I've been very fortunate in that I've, I've, I've lived in many places, um, all over Canada and, and around the world, but Toronto is home. You are a huge fan of paddleboarding. So when did the love for being on lakes and water come into the picture? I fell in love with paddleboarding almost instantly. Um, it was about eight years ago. And uh, I took a lesson on a date. And um, <laughs> it was the best part of that date. Oh, no! Uh, <laughs> and um, And I was terrible. I was a really, I was really, really bad. I think I spent 40 minutes, um, in the water out of 60, but, um, but I loved falling and jumping off and then climbing back on. I think there's a symbolism in, in, in all of that that we'll get into later, but I just, I just loved it. And, and it, and it went from, you know, first time activity to becoming a hobby to, to eventually becoming a business, to to merging that into something completely different. Yeah, it's quite amazing to me because uh, you you've taken this love for paddleboarding, and and part of the reason why we're talking is because of this destination, this uh, amazing thing that you had a, a chance to do, and that was to paddleboard across the uh, five Great Lakes. When did you decide maybe that this was going to be something that you wanted to do? Um, it only dawned on me last last September. Wow. Uh, so like a year ago, you're like, you know, it'd be great. So, so what happened was in 2021, I decided after working with mental health organizations that, that I work with that, um, you know, I, I've held events for them to raise, to help them raise funding, uh, for several years. And, and, you know, with the last couple of years, we needed to create something that was going to become newsworthy to generate the attention for it to blow up the way that it needed to. And, and I decided I would become the first person with physical disabilities to go from one country to another on a paddleboard. And I thought that should do it. Um, and it did. Everybody showed up. The problem was the weather turned. And I didn't make it. 
you know, I should have seen all the wins, but at the time I was very focused. I was laser focused almost in the, why didn't this happen? Mm. <laughs> um, and I, I was, I was, it, it was like somebody punched me in the gut. And um, anyways, I went off and I, you know, licked my wounds and, and healed and refocused, kind of reshifted and reframed my way of thinking and, and, and decided that, okay, I'm going to do Lake Ontario again, and we're going to add the other four Great Lakes, and I'm going to become the third person in history, the third athlete, and the first person with disabilities to cross all five Great Lakes. I would never wake up to be like, hey, I'm just going to go across some lakes, <laughs> paddleboarding. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not going to say don't do it. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> I went paddleboarding for the first time this summer yeah. with my kids, and we okay. probably went uh, 50, 50 feet, maybe okay. 50 meters. Oh, yeah. That was good. That was a good yeah. run. Good workout. It it really is. <laughs> it was exhausting. Um, but your story for me is so much – it's so incredible because it's not just about a person who is able-bodied doing this. You have a story that builds up to this where you were able to do these things and then you had a massive setback. And I want to talk about that. Life's going on. Everything's normal. You're living your life. And then, and then it happens. And then it happens. So. Let's, let's talk about what were you doing before the illness and then, and so then what, what happened? So I was a paddleboarding coach. Um, I had my own business. I was certified with Paddle Canada, which is the gold standard in this country in in Canada for for the sport. Um, and and I was running a very successful business in Toronto, and I taught in front of the skyline um, for several years. and And it was and it was a beautiful part of my life. I I got to share what I loved with other mm. people. I got to see, you know. You never forget how it made you feel, but when you can see it in somebody else's eyes, them falling in love with it and their first time, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And I got to see that every day, and I loved it. The problem with paddleboarding in Toronto is that you can only do it five months a year. Like, it's it's not a seasonal. Um, you know, it is seasonal. It's not an annual job. So, so I actually flew out to Los Angeles. And I was just, I was out there setting up a business partnership in Laguna Beach. I was so happy. I was going to be spending half my life in the OC and yeah. half my life in Toronto. And I was thrilled. And I came back and 10 days later, everything changed. What happened was I developed a neurological condition that many people know of this, know of um, from this summer. Um, Justin Bieber announced he was diagnosed with a condition called Ramsey Hunt syndrome. I developed that in 2018. What it is, is it's a reactivation of your chickenpox virus from when mm. you're a child. It's brought on by extreme exhaustion and stress. It can be, it's a rare condition. It can be mild to extreme. In my case, it was, I, I hit the extreme. So, so for me, it developed many challenges and problems that, you know, will be with me for the rest of my life. For example, in 2018, I had to spend almost a year learning how to walk again. Hmm. Um, I had to go through extensive vestibular rehab therapy, uh, retraining 
my brain ways and, you know, feeding it new tools on how to walk. Um, all the nerves shattered in like, I'm, you know, symmetrically perfect now, but, um, but all the nerves shattered on the, on my right side of my face. And it looked like I'd had a stroke that impacted my speech and my communication and how I ate. It affected uh, my vision. Um, and I lost, um, hearing as well as developed um, tinnitus. So currently I'm listening to you, but I'm also listening to the ocean in my ear, mm. um, which is a constant, um, as well as developed, as well as developing chronic, in my case, chronic vertigo. So for me, when I turn my head from side to side don't or I look up and down, he's like, stop, um, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I do it too quickly, it can feel like I'm on a carousel inside my head. Um, and, and that presents challenges with just, you know, basic walking functions. So I had a significant mental health breakdown. I think when, um, people acquire disabilities rather than be born with them, I'm, and and I can't speak for them, but, but I think that, you know, there are, and, and any life change, any significant life change um, that we go through, there is a mental health component to that. For me, it was sadness, grief, anger, rage. Um, in front of me, I was watching my business collapse. Um, I lost my independence because when you can't walk, you lose your independence and suddenly you have to be looked after. And and isolation. I often say that that what I went through actually prepared me for the pandemic and and sure. what you know people went through. Um, it was kind of like my national championships for the Olympics. <laughs> uh, but but no, it was very isolating and very lonely. And um, and I, I lost I lost all sense of hope. And um, and a big focus was pushed onto my physical recovery and not the mental. I, it got to a crisis point, and I had a, a breakdown. And then I I went and started receiving treatment and seeing a psychiatrist and seeing counselors and and I was put on a path to mental health recovery. And on the other side of that, I I started partnering with mental health organizations, mostly that support um, children and youth, um, young people, um, mostly because I felt like a kid myself when mm. I was, I felt like I didn't have the coping tools and mechanisms that young people and kids generally don't have. And I really identified with that. So, so yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's been a wild journey. <laughs> was was it something that had happened overnight or was there certain things you're like, oh, this seems to be a little strange. And then you went to the doctor and they're like, oh, this is what it is. Right. So so in my case, um, I missed a, I missed a critical 72 hour window for treatment to take steroids to stop or slow the progression of it. Uh, what initially presented as symptoms were it, it started with a headache and then mm. it got worse to a migraine. And then within a day or two, I was driving and the lines in the road started. <laughs> they weren't 
you know, forming properly. They were swerving and I wasn't swerving, but they were. And I thought this isn't right. Um, and, and then just gradual thing, the pain, um, in my ear started and, and, um, it's been documented. You now everybody's different with pain. Um, one of my mentors is the founder of P90X. His name's Tony Gordon. He's a fitness guru and it put him in a wheelchair. And he said that this is comparable to having both of your kneecaps smashed out at the same time. Um, It was excruciating. I was taking two Advils and two Tylenols every hour to combat the pain. Wow. Um, And, and this went on for days and days until suddenly I was, I was at my parents being looked after and, and I came downstairs one morning and, and, and I was struggling to get down the stairs to my mom's home and she pushed me in front of the mirror and she said, don't freak out. <laughs> and I looked and my face had, and my face had dropped. Um, all the nerves had shattered and she said, we're going to get you to the hospital. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. And, um, and that was the third hospital. I'm actually speaking at a medical malpractice conference in November, um, about misdiagnosis. Um, but, but no, it's, it, I'm really grateful that the story broke with Justin Bieber this summer and all of this, because people at least know about Ramsey Hunt syndrome sure. or they've heard about it at this point. So, so they can, you know, it's floating around out there. People can click and, and read what the symptoms are. Cause there wasn't really anything online or the, not a lot of research. You couldn't just, you know, Google doc yourself. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's, it's, it's a rare condition, but, but we're, we're seeing more about it, um, in reports and in media and, and, and different things, which is, which is great because the more information that's out there, um, the more people can do with that information. As you're going through this diagnosis, you're going through recovery, you had said one of the main things is extreme exhaustion. Was there times that you thought maybe if I just didn't work as hard, I wouldn't have gotten this? Was there times that maybe you doubted you because of you then getting this disease? Yeah, no, definitely. I worked in a very hustle mindset. Um, I operated that business as as a sole proprietor. Um, so I was doing everything. I come from a background of marketing and PR. So I... I'm very, I was very familiar with running all social media, running the website, Mm. running the programs, booking people, um, teaching them, um, doing media and all of it. Um, and I was working 18, 19 hour days from April all the way through to October, like consecutive. And you can't do that. No. Even if you're on the water. Yeah. Has it taught you to slow down? Has it taught you to look at things differently and to, you know, maybe not be so let's go, go, go all the time? Or is that difficult because that's the type of personality you are? So it's definitely the type of personality that I am. Um, I'm heading out west tomorrow. um, And this is my rest and recovery period. I'm finishing all of this. It's just starting now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because I've been in schools, I've been in businesses, I've been here and, and I'm going out west for 10 days before I have a very busy fall. And even yesterday, like I, I called on one of my friends who I'm staying with at West and I'm like, well, I'm going to speak at University of Victoria. And she's like, yes. <laughs> and this is your rest period. I, yeah. I enjoy, I enjoy it. Sure. I enjoy working. I enjoy it's, it's something that that is inside of me that I just can't stop. Um, but I can, but what I do do is um, I set boundaries mostly mm-hmm. for myself. So for example, on a day, you know, I've got a condition that's chronic that, you know, affects me when I'm tired or exhausted. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm doing a speaking engagement in another city, I will fly in the day before. Mm-hmm. I won't do both. Um, I won't do uh, an engagement and then an interview, like one thing per day. That's, that's my, that's my limit. Um, this summer was a little bit overwhelming and it got a little bit out of control, but, but that is my general rule of them. Is there something called like good days and bad days? Do you have, you know, a, a one and then a 10? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So I have definite good days and bad days. I have bad moments in good days. Hmm. Um, I think that's, that's something that a lot of people who are not neurodivergent experience. Um, so for me, when, when the barometric pressure changes, um, so when the pressure, when the air pressure or the quality goes from really high to really low or low to high in any capacity, my body can, is like a human barometer. Um, and it can go like, pew. um, so, so I can go from ha- being like the road runner and having all this energy to being, you know, grounded on the couch, having to, to not be able to do anything alternatively, or also, um, the other thing is, is exhaustion. Um, exhaustion is a big part of this. And something that I've had to, to learn to, to live with chronic exhaustion. So it affects, you know, when I get really tired or when my schedule, you know, even though I plan my schedule, you know, far in advance and, and I time things when things like this summer happen mm-hmm. and I do 103 media interviews and I'm crossing five great lakes and I'm doing all this stuff and meeting all the mayors and all this craziness. I get tired (laughs) and, and you can, you can see it in my face. You can hear it in my communication, in my speech, what I'm saying. You can um, like my, my words will drag. Um, You can definitely see it in my walking um, Mm. because my walking was affected. But no, it's just something that I've had to learn to to live with and to adjust the best way that I know how. You seem to have so much self-awareness and it's really incredible because I think a lot of us just rush through life and we don't take the time to understand our bodies or our mm-hmm. mental health. I feel as though, and I, I could be wrong, but there's been a lot of new information about mental health and a lot more grace and space to allow people 
just to be in their state. Is this something that you have noted throughout your journey as well? So I feel like there is there is so much information mm-hmm. um, that is that is coming out um, that is that is valuable. Um, you know, mental health touches every single person in in Canada, um, whether it's directly or indirectly. If we have not experienced it, we know somebody who has, whether that be anxiety or stress or depression or worse. And, and with the amount of information that is out there and with the statistics the way that they are, you know, I'm hopeful that we are on the path to, to making significant change. It'll take a few decades to get to where it needs to be, but I'm hopeful. This year, suicide's the leading cause of health-related death in young Canadians. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shouldn't be, and it shouldn't be. The problem with mental health is stigma and, and people not exactly knowing how they can help because it's not a tangible thing that we can, like, it's not cancer. It's not, it's not like, you know, one of the other conditions. Um, it's in our minds mm-hmm. and, and we can, we can't see it. Um, so people don't really know how to address it. Um, and there's still a shame to it that people are, but the more that people talk, the more that people share their stories, the more that people show up for their community organizations that support their communities at large, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful. So I have a million questions now when it comes to <laughs> I have one you doing this, this idea of going again, I get it's you versus it wasn't five small lakes. It's not five mediocre lakes. It's five great lakes, which is a daunting task in itself. How did you decide where the starting point was and where the ending point was? Oh boy. I, I always, uh, well, actually it's a great question. So, so we always knew that we were going to start off with the smallest crossing. Um, and that was projected to be Lake Erie. And that was projected to take somewhere between five and 10 hours. We didn't know where it was going to land. Um, but it was going to be from Michigan or sorry, from New York state, um, into Crystal Beach, which is just outside of Niagara. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was going to take about 10 hours. And we decided, okay, well, we're going to start with the smallest and then. We looked at all of them, all the routes that were planned out. Yeah. Um, God, this is like a year of planning. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we decided that we were going to jump from the smallest to the biggest because we, because we already had the smallest behind us as a yeah. warm up, as a warm up. And we were going to go right after the yeah. biggest to knock it out and get it behind us because everything from there would just be manageable, <laughs> not sure. easy, manageable. Yeah. But we decided we were going to go from the smallest to the biggest. And, and we were actually going to, we were going to do the, um, the two biggest back to back, which would have been Lake Huron and Michigan. Lake Huron took 28 and a half hours and Lake Michigan was going to take somewhere close to close to that. 
unfortunately the weather changed. It was the only, it was the only one we had to move this yeah. summer, which is amazing. Um, because I know, I know swimmers who've tried to cross these lakes and I know from my experience last year, I didn't make it across Lake Ontario. Uh, so it's amazing that, that there was only one that we really had to switch. And that was Lake Michigan and Lake Superior. And that was because the weather wasn't cooperating on Lake Michigan. Um, we had to abandon that and we got in the car and we drove to Wisconsin to cross Lake Superior into Minnesota. And then it was kind of like crisis management as soon as that ended. It's like, okay, well, let's get back to Lake Michigan now. <laughs> and we need to find a support boat and we need to find a captain. And, and, um, and yeah, but no, we always just, we always knew that it was going to be Lake Erie in the beginning. Then it was going to be Lake Huron. It was planned to be Lake Michigan, but it was Lake Superior. Then it was Lake Michigan. And it was always going to be the redo of Lake Ontario was the finale yeah. at the end. And, uh, and I think that one was the one that, that made me most nervous, I think. Yeah. How many times did you want to quit? Because just hearing 10 hours for the smallest. 28 and a half. I'm already done. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were definite moments in there. Um, you know, your body starts breaking down at about eight hours into it, nine hours into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was behind, I had um, a camel back and I don't know if either of you know about marathon running, but a very similar. So I'm being hydrate, like I'm, I'm drinking, but also every 30 minutes, one of my support boats would ring a bell and I would come over and I would reach out and they'd hand me like a sippy cup and, and it would be filled with carbohydrate powder and mm. water and a splash of Kool-Aid, which is way too sweet. And it would, <laughs> it's gross. Um, but I was consuming 50 grams of carbs every half an hour and it was fueling me. And every hour they would also dump in a scoop of electrolytes. Mm. So, so I was being fueled the entire time and every half an hour. So I'd, I'd go for a half an hour standing up. I'd come over, take my my fuel, or as they called it, here's your feed, which which I was like, you made me sound like an animal. Um, come get your feed. And uh, and I'd take it, and then I'd go down on my knees, or I'd sit down and I'd paddle for the next half hour because, yeah. because of the mobility issues. And you just keep on keep on doing that until until it ends. I mm-hmm. I think you know, going through the dark was especially challenging. It was, it was scary at times. I couldn't see in different parts and, and with my, with my hearing impaired, um, with my one good ear, I would have the boat on the side of my one good ear. Um, but even then, uh, with the, with the motor, with the engines running and with the sound of the water and the wind, very hard to communicate with somebody on a boat. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, so it was, um, there were, there were moments in it where, where I just thought this is, you know, how, how, how is this going to, how are we going to do this? But, um, but no, I'm, it, we, we made it through and, and it, you know, I had an amazing team that, that led me to that. And they're all part of this. So. What does someone think about 
when you're 10, 15, 20 hours on a paddleboard in the middle of a lake, what is going through your mind? Is it, I want to quit? Is it, I can't wait to get to the other side? Is it, man, I could really go for a hamburger? Like, where is your mind at? <laughs> All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at that point, you know, there's exhaustion. There's, there's physical pain. Um, at one point, my in in the Lake Huron crossing, I'm I'm going to the bathroom. Like this is a question that kids love when I present in schools. They're like, "Well, how'd you go to the bathroom right there?" Well, how do you think I went to the bathroom? <laughs> You're in the middle of a lake. <laughs> I'm going to the bathroom every ten minutes yeah. for thirty hours. <laughs> um, I'm going as I'm going, mm-hmm. and and you become a really you go from being really shy to you know just letting people know how, how things are going <laughs> because, because they're asking you to, to make sure that you're not depleting mm-hmm. and, and that you're hydrated. So, so they're keeping track of everything. It's very humbling. And, <laughs> and um, during those, um, those moments of, there's a film that's coming out. Um, it will be, it's, the trailer is actually being released uh, at a film festival in the U.S. So we're traveling to it um, to give some talks and, um, and it'll be screened a couple times and then it'll be released next year. Um, but it's called When Hope Breaks Through. Mm-hmm. And it's called that um, because there are parallels in a, the mental health journey and, and f- in my case, the sun. So, so the night paddling, as soon as the sunset went down, um, it got very dark and the first hour, whatever, it's, it's fine. But then you're, you're just facing the exhaustion and being in the dark and, and, and the wind picks up and the waves and, and you're just, there are moments where you're, where I was incredibly defeated. And, and people, my teams would take shifts, taking naps on those Mm. boats because they needed to be rested because I wasn't. So it was like they'd tap, tap out and they'd they'd go have a nap and and they'd switch. And some people would come down to the boat and they'd say, you know, there were moments and there were like, you were drifting off. Like, like we could see you falling asleep and you were taking like five second micro naps while you were out there. And they'd call me back in and they'd try to engage me in conversation while I'm on the water to try to get me going. We'd play games and, and sing songs. Sometimes they'd dance badly. Um, <laughs> and, and, and we tell jokes and, and sometimes I just have really tough, like intense life conversations with people. But the nights were especially hard and especially during that first crossing, when the sun came up, they could see it in my eyes and they could see it in my face and my body was re-energized. And it was like all the hard work was behind us. Something clicked when that sun came up that there was hope. There was hope that we could make it another five hours to that finish line or or another six hours. And, and that's kind of why the mental health journey uh, that many people face is that you're very alone in it. Um, you're, you have to kind of go through 
through all the hard times, but when, you know, you know, every, the sun does come up, um, and, and there is hope. You just have to make it. I think a lot of people who have gone through your situation might've lost hope and you are one who maybe because of your personality, maybe because of actually having, um, a good team around you, not even just crossing the lakes, um, you went from a place of being defeated to now you are sharing your story and encouraging people around the world. What is it that keeps you going instead of quitting? What is that hope power for you? I think I'm very driven. Um, and I found purpose, um, where, uh, you know, I lost, I, I lost my purpose at the time. But I gained, I gained a greater purpose through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, you know, I, I know that I'm not done and that, that there is, there's more. Um, you know, just because I crossed, this was just one step of this. Um, crossing five prairies. We're not crossing any oceans, by the way. But, <laughs> but I don't don't think there that. goes that question. <laughs> no. But um but this is one step on a greater plan. And I hope that it, it helps others. I hope it changes the conversation, but it broadens it and and the funding that that it helps and helps organizations help young people. Um, so that they don't have to struggle, um, as much, um, as they currently are. Has it been worth it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, there are moments in this, I, I think you'll probably see the film. <laughs> the, film's, the film's wild. Uh, <laughs> it's, I <don't> imagine. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, you'll see full-on breakdowns in the car, me, like, just sobbing, thinking, like, saying, what have I done? There was um, an intense, the media was very tense, intense for me in July and August in particular. And um, and there was a lot of pressure because of that. And, and you know, government officials, um from all over, members of parliament, mayors from all over Canada, um, and the media and the Canada and the United States. And, and, and I felt a huge sense of pressure. And I, there was my mental, I was struggling with my mental health. And no, there were times where, where I just, you know, my, my team saw me break down a lot. And in those moments, I really just relied on them. I remembered that I built this team for a reason. Um, I went after different people and I built this team. And in those moments where I struggled, um, I really leaned on them to just bring me through that. And so that I could see it clearly again. And um, I know the relationships that I have formed the awareness that is spread across Canada and into the United States um, and, and the funding. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's one of, it's been one of the greatest experiences of my life. Hmm. Well, this is the why me project podcast. So we have to ask the question, 
Um, just reflecting on your life, was there any moments where you asked, "Why me?" Oh yeah, I remember vividly when I got very sick in 2018, and it was before the the kind of the light bulb went off. And it was like, "Why me? Why did this have to happen to me?" I worked really hard on this business. I built it, like, and people loved it, and 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 it was causing joy, and and I was doing like, "Why? Why?" And and and, and you know, over time, it, it it became why it went it went from why did this happen to me to this happened for me. Mm. Um, it just took, just took a few years to get there. Like it does. We have that period where we have to process what what's yeah. what we're experiencing, and it's a it's incredible to hear your story and how you went from a place of despair, and now your impact is so much greater. I mean, you could have been in the OC, but now <laughs> <laughs> I know. Now look at you. Than- Movies are coming out. Yeah, I would have been too selfish to just be in the OC. I have to stay here and <laughs> and, and uh, do this instead. Um, no, I'm 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 grateful. Well, I could barely swim across my own bathtub. This man paddleboards across five Great Lakes at Mike underscore Shorman on the Insta, my friend. We appreciate you taking some time and hanging out with us. Awesome chatting with you. Thank you. I'll be honest, I thought we were going to talk uh, just a lot about paddleboarding, but I'm actually really glad that we talked more about mental health. Yeah, me too. It's, um, I think now more than ever, so, so clear how we need to support each other. I had a chance to be a part of a conference talking about mental health, and essentially it's everyone is at risk of a mm. mental health breakdown. No one is in the clear. And it's about the education, the understanding, um, respecting your own personal limits. And to see Mike um, push through his uh, frustrations, um, his the disabilities, and just to continue to encourage people is really inspiring. What I also appreciate, too, is that he talks about having a good team. It just goes to show we can't be doing this alone. We need to have that great team surrounding us and being able to help us pick us up when we're down or, you know, if we need a little electrolytes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) For your feeding time. Oh, my goodness. Right. (laughs) But uh, thank you again to Mike for taking some time and uh, sharing his incredible story. Uh, we're also so thankful that you take the time and download and listen to our episodes. Yeah, so thank you so much. Wherever you get your favorite podcasts, hopefully we're in the mix there. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, and, mm. and let us know what stood out to you and what encouraged you from the episode today. Yeah.